0: Be how he can be lost so quickly through the window of opportunity, just like a draft in the night. See how words can twist and hands can ring like phones inside empty homes when nobody's there to hear. Until you hear me, dear.
1: Welcome, you guys. This is Richard Sachs on Lost Arts Radio. It's great to be with you again. Thank you for being here. Uh, We've got a treat for you. Uh, Our friend, Dr. Rima Labo, who was on not too long ago talking about the situation with the WHO trying to take over world, I guess they call it healthcare, right? It's actually tyranny, and it's the opposite of healthcare. Um, That situation is really critical at this point, and it's moving toward a climax. And I think one of Rima's main important points on the whole issue is that a key determining factor in which way this is going to go is going to be you. And what she's done, and she's done it before, is put together a way that you can not only understand what the problem is, what the issue is, but how you can take a primary role in in being part of the solution. And that's exciting because most of the time, The problems in the world now are so overwhelming that it looks like there's nothing that a regular person could possibly do, and that's totally not the case. So we're going to find out why and how, and uh, Dr. Labo, some months ago, gave a presentation on this WHO situation at a place called American Freedom Alliance in California, and in case you weren't there, and I suspect most of you weren't, we're going to have the same thing basically here with commentary and questions uh, for your private viewing pleasure. And I hope that you'll share it with everybody. Uh, Dr. Labo was on Alex Jones's show recently and reached millions of people, but got interrupted a lot. And uh, there's some things that you couldn't get into. So we're actually starting a series of things that she wasn't able to cover in full on Lost Arts Radio. And you're going to be the... Uh, Recipient of her generosity and sharing all this critical information, so welcome, Doctor Label. I'm looking forward to the presentation tonight. Thanks for being here. I really appreciate that.
2: Oh, thank you, Richard. It is always such a pleasure to talk with you and to share things with your audience.
1: So I think let's make this uh, like a presentation that you did at AFA, and we'll do the screen share Great. and. Uh, I'll just interrupt with uh, questions if Please, unnecessary, please interrupt me. But, Let me but do you will be very... Most of the view will be the screen <laughs> share itself.
2: Great. Yes, yeah. indeed. I did uh, have the honor of being asked to present at the American Freedom Alliance in California on April 22nd, and uh, I found a very sympathetic audience of people who needed to hear this, and I think everybody needs to hear this. I am the medical director of the Natural Solutions Foundation, by the way, and that's why you see our logo there. There is a website that I would like very much for you to not only go to but return to often. It is called preventgenocide2030.org preventgenocide2030.org, you can probably guess that the purpose of it is to prevent genocide by 2030. The World Health Organization, which really should be named the World Holocaust Organization, was created to bring about vast depopulation and enslavement. But it's dressed in very beautiful robes and lovely-sounding phrases. Basically, it's a death machine. And they have something called Agenda 2030, which was created by the United Nations and now is being enacted by the World Health Organization, UNESCO, UNICEF, the World Economic Forum, to bring about their, quote, sustainability goals. Their sustainability goals mean that 90% or more of the world's population will be exterminated. That's called genocide. And that will happen, they say, by 2030. And by the way, Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum has announced that by the year 2030, a mere seven years from now, all human reproduction will be synthetic outside of the human womb.
1: Dr. Rima, this uh, this, uh, Agenda 2030... I assume that's an extension of the original Agenda 21, right?
2: Very good point. In 1992, every nation in the world agreed to destroy itself and its people through something called Agenda 21. They had hoped to bring about this entire destruction and revolution of what is humanity and, and capture of our DNA and our bodies. They had hoped to bring that about by the year 2021. But as they keep saying, we're very far behind schedule. We must accelerate what we're doing. And they have a number of very, very, very bad ideas about how to accelerate their, quote, sustainability goals. So today we're going to talk about WHO, an all-American death star, And that's exactly what it is. And by the way, when you have a Death Star coming over the horizon to kill you, you don't stop to negotiate with the Death Star. You knock it out of the sky. Then you go after the Imperium. In this case, the Imperium is the United Nations. So I'm a doctor, and therefore I look at problems that I want to take seriously as a doctor. I first try to understand the symptoms, and then I try to understand why well, my slide is not working, symptoms. And then I'm interested, once I have the symptoms, to understand the name of the problem, the diagnosis, because that groups the, the issues into something that's more manageable than just random information. And I want to know where it came from. How did we get there? Where is this problem from? Is it from the outside? Is it from the inside? Is it uh, a structural problem? And when I'm looking at symptoms and diagnosis and etiology, then I want to know what's it doing? How is it making the organism, in this case the world, our society, our freedom, sick What is the 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 mechanism of action by which it's causing problems? And looking at those things all together gives me an opportunity to understand how to treat it, to treat it at the core. And I don't know why all these blank things and repetitions are happening, but they are. And then that gives us the opportunity to find a cure, not just a suppression of the symptoms, but a cure for the deep underlying issue. Now, I learned from my husband, Major General Albert N. Stubblebine III, who was murdered in the process of doing this work, I learned about the wisdom of Sun Tzu. Sun Tzu wrote a book called The Art of War 3,500 years ago or so. And I thought, well, that's got nothing to do with me. I'm not fighting a war. And I was wrong. We are fighting a war. We are fighting a war for humanity. We are fighting a war for our lives and for our children and for our society and for that which is essentially human. And so we need to go back to Sun Tzu. I learned from my husband that following the rules of war, and Sun Tzu's dictates doesn't necessarily mean that you'll win, but not following them guarantees that you'll lose. So, Sun Tzu is worth thinking about. Sun Tzu said, strategy without tactics is the slowest route to victory. Tactics without strategy is the noise before defeat. Strategy means having a particular singular goal and then choosing the things that you do, your to accomplish that goal and not being deterred or deflected. Our side is not particularly good at this, by the way. We start running around dealing with this and that and the other thing because it's all important without a strategic goal. I propose this strategic goal we have to exit the WHO and the United Nations. With- because that is the mechanism of total global conquest now constituting itself to be a legal authority without any authority to do so, by the way, with all the power vested in an unassailable dictator. That's how WHO is planning to take over the world. The tactical focus, how do we, how do we deal with this is to focus on this battle, fighting any other battle is a good idea in terms of the short-term goal, but a very bad idea until your country's out of WHO because they're coming to get you, to get your kids, to get your DNA. This is a picture of my husband, most beautiful human being, Major General Albert N. the III. And he said, Everything he said was intelligent. It was really frustrating because when you're married to somebody who's always right, even when you think you're right, very frustrating. He said, and he was right, informed consent is the defining issue of 21st century. Who owns your body? You do, or you are a slave. Now, in 2004...
1: Rima, let me two, interrupt one, one minute yes. here. Um, we're assuming that everybody knows what the obvious meaning of informed consent is, but it's it's such an important issue that I think it's worth explaining that we don't have informed consent on almost anything. And if we got it, if it was really fully informed, we wouldn't have any of these horrible things going on in the world. So,
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. What if somebody has
1: no idea what informed consent is because they've never gotten it?
2: First of all, unless you are given all the facts, all the true information that is relevant, you do not have informed consent. If you are told, for instance, that the COVID jab is the vaccine... You can't give informed consent to be vaccinated because it's not a vaccine. If you are told that it's safe and effective and you say, oh, okay, I'll take one, you are not giving informed consent because you have been misinformed. So informed consent means... Having been given all of the relevant information, the pro and the con and the neutral and the questions, having been, having been given all of that information, you are free without pressure, prejudice, uh, without, uh, any kind of coercion or persuasion to say yay or nay. And if you say yay, there is no negative consequence. If you say nay, there is no negative consequence. You are free to use your body, and if you're a parent, the body of your child uh, in terms of what you allow to happen to it, you are free to make those decisions because you are, in fact, the unassailable owner of your body, and you are responsible for the choices, therefore, that you make about what happens to your body, your mind, your environment. And as you say, because we are continually lied to, because our information is propaganda rather than fact, because science has been corrupted, uh, because doctors are coerced into lying, or worse, uh, In Informed consent is a very, very rare commodity, but without it, you are, in fact, in thrall to someone else. Someone else owns your body, you're a slave.
1: You own your
2: body, you're a free person. I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: In the public health um, classes in the universities, they're taught basically that informed consent is too dangerous to give to the public, that you have to have the official experts tell everybody what to do, and it's for the greater good.
2: Now we're going to get to public health classes. Public health is a faux discipline which was created to control. It's not a science. It's not a social science. It's not a political science. It is a political manipulation control tool. You just survived a public health PhD. God love you. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you did it. And you learned that the, the available deceit of what is public health is basically Rockefeller depopulation and control. That's all it is. There is no real public health. By the way, I just read today in a An online publication that I received called Medscape. They look at the landscape of medicine. And in Medscape today, there was an article that said that um, patients in the emergency room setting, office setting, hospital setting are abusive and violent to their healthcare personnel uh and doctors report that there's like a uh a 275% increase uh percent, 275% increase in the number of people who have actually experienced being kicked or slapped or screamed at uh since 1981 and it's all they say in this article because of the anti-vaxxers who have sown deceit. So I wrote the following comment to that article. This is what I added to as my take on it. I said, I would say that the article is beyond tone deaf. It's a, oh no, that's, I'm sorry, that's somebody else. I said to the author, whose name is Tara, I believe you have missed the point, Tara. Patients should not, of course, do violence to healthcare workers, but their increased aggression and out of control behavior might just might express a deep and justified frustration and fear that despite having nowhere else to turn to health care because of our near monopolistic health, quote, quote, care system, when in need of care, they know that it was not the anti-boxers who lied to them and put their lives at risk. It was the personnel whom they must now seek care from. They were told to mask when the science, including some by Fauci, made it clear that it was a very, very poor, provi- poor idea, and they were told to mask their children as well as themselves. They were lied to by, quote, health, end quote, care providers when they were told that they should lock themselves away for 14 days to flatten a non-existent curve and then told that there was a curve when, in fact, it was a PR trick. They were injected with a novel and extremely dangerous biological that's what a vaccine is called officially. A very, extremely dangerous biological in the assurance that it would prevent transmission, for which there was absolutely zero substantiation. That it was safe for them and for their children, both born and unborn, for which there was negative substantiation. Then when they became ill from the horrific after effects on their cardiovascular and immune systems, their neurology and their skin, their reproductive systems and their connective tissue, they were lied to again and told to take untested and dangerous boosters. The public has every right to be rageful. The quote, health, end quote, care system tragically misled the public, quote, health, uh, tragically misled by the public, quote, health system, lied. The public died. Their children died. Those who did not, su- Did not die, suffered misdiagnosis, often cataclysmic events. Wouldn't you be likely to become enraged and perhaps lose control and forced to return for help to someone and a system of someone's who, in a position of trust, has betrayed that trust and may very do so again? remdesivir, medazolam, ventilators, PCR deceit, denial of early treatment, pediatric COVID vaccination, sudden adult death syndrome. Why should they trust us? Why would they? The problem, Tara, is not the anti-vaxxers because they told the truth. The problem is the anti-healthcare system. We lied. They died. And then it said you have to... uh identify any conflict of interest when you make a con- comment. So I said, note, this system requires a declaration of conflict of interest. I have none. The, quote, health, quote care system showed clearly that it does when it accepted bounty payments for diagnoses and treatment regimens. And you wonder why you are not trusted and why you are the source of breakthrough rage so that was what I said in terms of the way public health and the healthcare system have violated their trust. And the public health system is right out there in front, even in front of the medical system, because some doctors were asking questions. Where are the public health personnel who were asking questions and saying, wait, what? What are you talking about? Where are they? Where are the, the people from inside the public health system who are saying, oh, no, that's wrong. That doesn't make sense. No, flattening the curve, locking down, et cetera, et cetera. No, that's wrong. Quarantining healthy people, that's wrong. Where are they? There were medical people. There are medical people. There are a handful of very good doctors and nurses and, and uh, real healers. But where where are no health, public health people? I haven't seen a single damn one, Richard. Have you?
1: It would go against the basic teaching that those courses teach the public health students, which is never question authority. Blind trust of authority is required. And if you cite uh, an unassailable authority like CDC or WHO or the UN or anybody like that, it's assumed that whatever they said is true. And if something is said for the greater good, it is. In fact, so many people believe that beyond public health, a lot of the legal community does too. And and there was a famous uh, video clip of one of the most famous lawyers in the world, Alan Dershowitz, saying that you have no right to refuse a needle plunged into your arm for the public good.
2: Right. Right. And um people like Dershowitz were saying that people who refuse to have a needle plunged into their arm should be either incarcerated or executed because yeah. informed consent, well that's old fashioned. That's Nuremberg y. We that's don't need that. Before we
1: discovered experts.
2: It's before Humber. we discovered experts. And, exactly. And the, and the, ex-
1: the expert mentality in universities is in all subjects. So the, you know, the experts tell you how to change society and how to change family structure and how to change every belief that you've got. And they're the experts. So questioning that makes you, uh, maybe a racist or some other really.
2: Well, right now, right now, discourse. the United Nations, UNESCO and the World Holocaust Organization have mm-hmm. linked arms. Um, institutional arms, octopus arms, um, to decide that they must change the way every child on the planet thinks about their own body, their own sexuality, their own culture, reality, biology. And they're doing it because, and I, this is another um, uh, talk that, that we'll have because yeah. I have their documentation. They're doing it because they want to get rid of the universal patriarchal system and create a society where everybody sees things differently. They say that. I thought their job was to keep peace whoops, no, their job is to change every aspect of society because why not? And that does cycle back to what we're talking about now. If I can share the screen again, yeah. maybe I'll be able to find the presentation again. You never know. Okay, and that was a really, really important um question that you asked, Richard. It's such a pleasure to to talk to somebody who, who has the knowledge base that you do and, and focuses on the issues the way you do. It's a real joy. So back to this. In 2004, my husband and I closed our practice of medicine, drug free medicine and psychiatry, by the way, in order to treat the body politic of what we saw happening that could indeed be a terminal illness. In other words, we saw where we are today coming up very quickly. Now, this is what most people think the body politic looks like. That's not what the body politic looks like. It's this, your body. Your body is not the political playground of anyone else. And we have to remember this. Put this image in your head, put this image in your heart, and put this image in your soul. This is the critical issue. Is your body somebody else's political playground? If it is, then they can do anything they want to you, and they're well on the way to trying. The body politic is very sick. And as I said, it may be a terminal illness. They may, in fact, be able to completely eliminate humanity. The illness comes from outside of us. It comes from them. I'm sorry to say there is an us and a them, and them wants us right. enslaved, and most one, of us dead.
1: One point I have to make about that, and I'm glad you're not upset with me for interrupting, but I think yeah. it's important. Um, you said in agenda, at the meeting of Agenda 21, was that was, what, 1994, Something like that.
2: Sorry, I said 92. They agreed to it in 94. My apologies.
1: Okay, but my point is not that. It's that um, you said all the nations that were present agreed to destroy themselves. Yeah. I think it's really important. It's, It's similar to my response when people say, you know, we went to war or something like that. The people in charge, the psychopaths in charge of countries all over the world, are not those countries. They're a cartel of criminals. And it's distinctively different than the populations of the countries. If you if you take the people who make up the actual country, the people who live there and the natural resources that become that country, that's a different entity than yes the people no. who have taken over.
2: Yes and no. If the people who have taken over, the psychopaths who are making these these uh, agreements and pacts and decisions, are then supported by the people in their country, if their propaganda is successful and the young men go off to war and they die, then they too are part of this machine. They haven't said no. They've Absolutely. said, yes, sir, and they've marched off to die and to yeah. kill. And then they, too, become part of the, the psychopathically motivated and controlled um, uh, uh, problem. But so it's here, like the
1: police in Australia that beat up the women who went outside without a mask.
2: Yes, exactly. exactly. Yeah. And then they are the oppressor. Well, yeah, There's no question about that.
1: Absolutely. Okay.
2: And so we always have, you know, you're in a store and you want a candy bar. You pick it off the shelf, you eat it, you hide the wrapper, you've stolen it. You've now made yourself a criminal. Whether it was worth it to you or not, that's another story, but you've done that. Or you pay for the candy bar and you're not a criminal. You have choices at every moment. We all do. So the illness Mm -hmm. is being imposed upon us, and the question is, do we allow it to destroy us? The illness is disseminated, and it's multi-system. It's not just parental consent or policing or the media. It's many, many, many things, and it has many points. And if you become entrapped in looking at and trying to solve it from the superficial level by looking at the apparent problems, you will dissipate your energy. It's like allopathic medicine that suppresses symptoms but never, ever treats the underlying cause. You know, an allopathic physician will say, you're a perfectly healthy person, you just have cancer. (laughs) That's Mm. insane. That's insane. Now, allopathic medicine, as I say, is symptom suppression. You know that. It's not cure because it never addresses the underlying cause of the illness. Now, people may have increased comfort. There's less pain. They can move better as their joints are being destroyed by uh, a drug that, that gets rid of the pain but uh, actually speeds up the crippling of the person. But it can't ever change the fatal outcome of the disease. And if we use allopathic methods here, we are going to participate in our own demise through our own destruction. As in a holistic treatment, you have to find a strategic and systems-wide approach and you have to identify and focus the under- on the underlying cause or you can never actually fix it that's the only way and i as a doctor who's practiced medicine that way for over 50 years i can tell you suppressing symptoms doesn't cure disease so the conference i was asked to speak at was called world war 3 the early years And I thought about that for a while. And there were lots of very bright, very um, well-informed people speaking and attending this conference, by the way. It was a very impressive group. And I thought, no, that's not right. There's certainly a world war. But the early years are over. We're in the final years. And that is the Death Star coming to destroy us. The Death Star has two parts, the Imperium, the United Nations, and the Action Arm, the World Health Organization. Together, they are determined to destroy everything that is us from the DNA outward. And there are four levels of this. Closest at hand is the WHO. That's what we see. Behind it, is the Imperium, the United Nations, directing it. Because WHO and UNESCO and uh, Food and Agricultural Organization and UNICEF and all these other subsidiary organizations are legally independent, but they are subsidiary servant organizations for the evil goals of the United Nations. Behind that, is another system. Behind that is the financial system, here illustrated or or pointed to as the Bank for International Settlement. And we have the CBDC coming up upon us, and we know how very pervasive that is meant to be. And then behind that, there is whoever it is who thinks that they can take apart the world and destroy it. So there are four levels, and the only two levels that we can reach right now are level one, the United, uh, sorry, the World Holocaust Organization, and level two, the United Nations. We need to get our countries out of them if we have any chance of solving any problem. Now, I've talked about the many, many problems that are there, and they're real problems. The the traumatic sexual sexualizing of children, the um, uh, corruption of the judicial system, the destruction of the political system. These are all very, very real problems. They are the tentacles of an octopus, and at the center of the octopus is WHO and behind it, of course, the UN. We can look at one problem, we can look at another, and they're all worthy problems. But solving them at the peripheral level doesn't help us. Sun Tzu tells us, in war, avoid what is strong and strike at what is weak. You put your greatest strength against their greatest weakness. Striking at their greatest weakness means getting our countries out of WHO and the United Nations. They cannot control us once we have left.
1: One question, uh, Dr. Dr. (laughs) Lima. You mentioned that there are many organizations that are all connected. Where Where does one of the really bad ones called NATO fit in here?
2: Um. Yes, that's the military piece, and and that, that's a whole different uh, discussion. You'll have to ask me back for five, not four,
1: additional okay.
2: programs. What we'll changes <laughs> to five? Yeah, um, it's it's all part of the thing. But the 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 strategic goal is to get out of the two controlling killer organizations, which are set up to destroy us. NATO is set up to do other things, to destroy other people. It's not focused on literally destroying us. The UN and WHO are actually actively focused on destroying our sovereignty, our humanity, and everything in between. So they're they're actually uh, much more central, and NATO is one of those toxic um, uh, tentacles. Okay, got it. Now, every dictator in the world has wanted the same thing. Whether it's Vlad the Impaler or Hitler or uh, Stalin or Putin or doesn't matter. They all want the same thing. In my analysis they want unlimited dominance power wealth adulation adoration obedience and they want endless youth and health and lifespan in other words now i you have to remember i'm a psychiatrist and a child and adolescent psychiatrist to boot and a psychoanalyst so i look at things a little bit differently and i see that what they all want is basically endless Unlimited infantile gratification. That's pretty scary because these people put themselves in the position to control everything, and it's like having a tantruming 18 month old driving your car and running your life. That's pretty scary. Or,
1: now, we're a two year old with nuclear weapons.
2: Exactly, exactly. Sun Tzu, who didn't have to worry about anybody with nuclear weapons at the time, did, however, know about destruction. And he said a very, very interesting thing. He said, an evil enemy will burn his own nation to the ground to rule over the ashes. We are dealing with an evil enemy that is intent on burning its own nation to the ground in order to rule over the ashes. If you think Elon Musk is really the friend of free speech and liberty, think about the Neuralink uh, technology, which he's gotten uh, permission from the FDA to install in people's brains a switch to control them better and better, and the Skylink technology, set of satellites designed to control the people who are controlled through Neuralink. That doesn't sound like freedom to me. An evil enemy, and I'm not saying Musk is the only one, but WHO and the United Nations want to destroy humanity. It is an evil enemy that will burn its own nation to the ground to rule over the ashes. We, and you have to remember this, take this into your heart, this is not comfortable, but truth is not necessarily very easy to deal with. We are committed to our survival. The enemy is committed to our total destruction from the DNA out. Otherwise, gene-altering technology would not have been pumped into three-quarters of humanity. The enemy is committed to our destruction. And again, Sun Tzu, a kingdom that has once been destroyed, our DNA, our humanity, our children, our society, our capacity to love, a kingdom that has once been destroyed can never come again into being, nor can the dead ever be brought back to life. So once they win, we have no way back. The inevitable conclusion is don't let them win. Okay, that works for me. Now, I, as I was thinking about how to put this presentation together for these really very smart people at the American Freedom Alliance, I thought, what can I say that they haven't heard before and that advances the conversation so that they are more empowered to do the right thing? How? How What do I have to say them? And I thought, well, how did we get into this mess? How did we get to the point where in 1994, every country in the world said, okay, I'm in, you can destroy my people, including Bhutan, where the king is particularly interested in the happiness of everybody and had the first happiness index in the world. How did that happen? And so I started doing a little research. How is it possible that every nation in the world has agreed to Agenda 21 and now Agenda 2030? How is it possible that every medical system in the world, without exception, has bought in on the COVID jabs? How Madagascar's president held out for a while and then his arm got twisted and he gave in? How is it possible that every single media outlet in the world that is not Run by one guy or one gal somewhere here or there became involved in creating a propagandemic. By the way, we didn't have a pandemic. We had a propagandemic. There were no excess deaths until the jabs started. And now the, the iatrogenic, the doctor, um, generated genocide is ramping up. We are in the middle of it. It's an iatrogenicide. How is it possible that every public health agency in the world, without exception, went into this jab and the danger signals and uh, the lockdowns and all that nonsense? How did that happen? Where, Where was this lockstep from? Well, I thought, Okay, that's a really good question, and to find out, I have to use the Maguire principle. Do you know what the Maguire principle is, Richard?
1: No, I'm sorry we didn't cover that in school.
2: In school. It's that. Show me the money. Ah, it's a good way to find out what's going on. Mm -hmm. Every aspect of what we are dealing with today was envisioned and planned carefully financed, and implanted throughout social, societal, educational, medical, public health, governmental, and international manipulation over generations. This isn't last week's idea.
1: And this is a one-family le- le- level of organization that's almost never seen in regular society.
2: Well, it is the level of organization that has created what we call regular society. And it was all laid out initially and orchestrated and still today run by one central power system called a family. And here you see the senior and the second member of that family, the man on the uh, the left is John D. Rockefeller Sr. and his son, John D. Rockefeller Jr. And this is a picture approximately 1915. Now, John D. Rockefeller Sr., let's stay here for a moment. John D. Rockefeller Sr. was the world's first billionaire. He was the wealthiest person who has ever lived up until that time. And he made his vast fortunes by being utterly ruthless and destructive in a way that the world had pretty much never seen. Because even Genghis Khan didn't wreak the kind of havoc and have the kind of huge footprint that this one man did. He did it economically. So that by creating Standard Oil, he essentially either owned or controlled the world's entire or 99% of the world's petroleum output. And that's pretty interesting. Now, his son, John D. Rockefeller Jr., ran the family business for about five years. And then he said, Dad, you know, I'm much more interested in the social manipulation scheme that we have created than I am in the business. So how about if I run our predatory philanthropy and the, you know, the one that's going to take over the entire world based on the principles of eugenics. And his dad said, okay, you can do that. So they started creating organisms. Now we're the ones that we're talking about may be familiar with to you until we get to a little bit further down the road, and then uh, public health comes under uh, another set of uh, control systems. They started controls. They started setting up organizations like the Rockefeller University, uh, where science was being used freely for the good of humanity. Yeah. Uh huh. Hey created the Rockefeller Foundation, where the well-being of mankind throughout the world was their concern. Uh, The Rockefeller University, which is now the Rockefeller Institute, was founded in 1901. The uh, Rockefeller Foundation was founded in 1913. And the idea of using vast wealth to take over society was not a new idea, but it had never been developed in the profound way that the Rockefellers and their their buddies uh, discovered they could do. Uh, Lots of different foundations and organizations, something called the Rockefeller Philanthropy Advisors and the Rockefeller Brothers Fund, which is a philanthropy for an interdependent world. Interdependent means I get to control everything and you don't. That's what interdependent means. And the Rockefeller Foundation looked at innovation for the next hundred years and it all sounds so lovely. And they, they were in one area after another after another. In other words, they were in every area and still are. And then they started taking over various aspects of the government. They have a, a handshakey kind of relationship with USAID, an organization that has done incalculable harm throughout the world. And look, here's a, a placard celebrating the collaboration between the Rockefeller Foundation and a much more recent organization, part of the predatory philanthropy, Let's Change the World to Be Exactly What We Want for Our Benefit kind of thinking, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, which, as you all should know, was originally created as the Bill and Melinda Gates Institute for Population Control. And then they said, oops, that's a little obvious. Guess we better change the name. Now, John D. Rockefeller Sr., who lived a very long time using homeopathy and herbalism, by the way, uh, founded all these organizations And I mentioned a lot of them. And you'll see that the words are quite beautiful in each and every one. The purpose of the corporation is medical research with special reference to the prevention and treatment of disease. Who can argue with that? That sounds nice, right? In 1913, the Rockefeller Foundation was founded to promote the well-being of mankind throughout the world. How can you argue with that? I mean, we want mankind to be to have lots of well-being, right? Words are beautiful. And the Rockefeller Foundation was initiated with an amount of money at that time that was almost inconceivable, $100 million, and then an additional $25 million because they, they were really trucking and they wanted to do a lot of things. And then an additional $182 million uh, from John D. Rockefeller Sr., and they keep saying that they're devoted to the advancement of knowledge with research. And you would think that research is kind of neutral. Whatever you find, you find. Mm, that's not how it works. Not so much as the chief tool. Now, in 1930, 13 the, the value in today's money was about $3 billion. And when you add up the money that they had and that they were using at that time in today's money, we're talking about about $7 billion. So you decide that you're going to impact the world and you start throwing around $7 billion, get fairly far along the way. And their philanthropy was vast. Absolutely vast. It's always used under the guise of humanitarian interests. And this is WHO. This is the United Nations. This is every one of these subsidiary evil organizations. Always under the guise of humanitarian interests. Pretty words, sustainability goals to create a global full spectrum dominance control mechanism. Full spectrum dominance control is always the goal. And they used predatory philanthropy to do it. They developed a complex integration, infiltration and control system, via two things. One was direct establishment. They would create a university or a school or a hospital or a medical uh, board. But they would also fund institutions. They would come along and say, yeah, we think you're doing a great job. You can do better. We can teach you how to do modern stuff and we'll fund you and we'll set up scholars and we'll set up scholarships. We'll support causes like women's suffrage. Well, the women's suffrage movement's profited greatly from the Rockefeller financial support and propaganda support in its newspapers and so on. Why did the Rockefellers care about whether women got the vote? Because that was part of their well-articulated program to destroy the family, get women working, get them outside the house, get them uh, further away from their children and husbands, and weaken the traditional family structure. They always supported training and placing scientists and policymakers at the top so that they could get people who had been inculcated into their way of thinking and would do their bidding, controlling a vast array of organizations and schools and policies and institutes. they that way, they could identify promising players and they could market the political, economic, and social engineering that they wanted to do in every aspect. They supported studies and schools and journals and projects and all kinds of work in many different areas. Many different areas. And the reason they supported all these things was to control them so that there would be less and less and less resistance to their social engineering based on the principles of eugenics. They supported revolutions and wars. John D. Rockefeller Jr. sent his personal public relations guy, John Ivey, to Germany before Hitler had his coming out party And he ran a little finishing school on how to take over a society for three promising students named Goering, Goebbels, and Hitler. Meanwhile, John D. Rockefeller and the Rockefeller Institute's junior, senior, they were funding the scientific study of improving the race. They were funding eugenics in Germany and in the United States and elsewhere. Very big in eugenics, as we will see. Now, in the United States... It's,
1: it's probably worth, again, another term that we assume everybody is familiar with. If somebody says eugenics, and they, th- a lot of people think they know what it means, but why don't you define it for us?
2: Improving the race.
1: And that, again, sounds... Getting rid.
2: Oh, that, that sounds improves, beautiful. That, yeah, improving the race. Everything. Yep, yep. It's like... Uh, plucking the best plants and throwing the weak ones away and saving the seeds from the strongest tomatoes and lettuce and broccoli. No, it is killing people. It is genocide to change the composition of humanity to be what you want it to be. It is ethnic cleansing, It is getting rid of people whose ideas don't agree with you, not just putting them in prison, that's bad enough, but killing them and killing their families. It is getting rid of people whose religion doesn't match yours. It's getting rid of people whose skin color isn't what you want. It's getting rid of anybody who's in your way for total and absolute control. And in the United States, we have a dark and terrible history of doing that, not only with native populations, but also with citizens in the United States, women mostly, who were involuntarily sterilized. We legislated it and we did it in the United States, thanks to these predatory humanitarian philanthropists. Population control, depopulation, that's eugenics. That's getting rid of the people that you don't want. I will remind you that the head of state who told me uh, about the great culling that was soon to come said that the useless eaters were defined as those people who were consuming our non-renewable resources. There's always some way of defining it so that they are doing something that we don't want, and therefore we will get rid of them. That is population control. That is depopulation. They also intentionally create disease and disseminate those diseases under the guise of studying and controlling diseases. These are really evil people. And of course, there's genetic engineering. We now have a baby that was created with three homosexual fathers. We took a little bit of this DNA and a little bit of that DNA and a little bit of that DNA. We have people cloning people. We have people making chimeras and hybrid monsters. Fine, because we said so, because we can be gods and decide who lives and dies and decide what lives and dies. And of course, to do this, well, we're going to have institutes and organizations that teach and that, uh, promulgate and that, that focus on international law and public pa- Policy, like the Council on Foreign Relations, like the, um, the Woodrow Wilson School of uh, uh, Foreign Policy, and so on, and so on, and so on. They supported schools, educational projects, studies, academics, higher learning. In order to diminish rational thinking schools, dumb down the education. It's very interesting. Working people in my experience know that the jabs are bad and that they're being lied to. The intellectual classes, the doctors and lawyers and academics and so on, they are taught, and you will, you will validate this from your, uh, your horrors in getting your PhD, Richard. They are taught that Revealed truth from on high authority is always to be believed. That means you cannot have rational discernment and thinking skills. Am I right about that, Richard?
1: Yeah, the, this is a central teaching from preschool through medical school, through PhD school, through public health. Exactly.
2: School. Exactly. Blind,
1: blind trust of authority is required.
2: They they supported and support studies and schools and projects which normalize pedophilia and sexual aberration. And we're right in the middle of that. You have to have me back and I'll talk about the comprehensive sexuality education. People are saying, no, 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 we don't want comprehensive sexuality education. But they're not making the next step, which is, no, 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 we don't want... The people that have created this to destroy our children, that's WHO and the United Nations. We gotta get out of there. They, they, back to these predatory, miserable beasts. They, they specifically work. To weaken the family structure and in the comprehensive sexuality education and the transgender uh, agenda, they say, don't tell the parents, don't tell the parents. But of course, in California, if the parents don't agree with the uh, gender misalignment and the gender delusion, then that's child abuse and they can lose their children. They say they, and they've been specifically involved in the degradation of food quality and nutritional content agricultural uh, the the rockefeller milieu has been deeply involved in destructive agriculture all around the world increase in chronic chronic degenerative disease as well they they are deeply involved with the entire medical, uh, pharmaceutical cabal. And the sicker you are, the more easy you are to control. They can bump you off. But also, they finish removing all of the wealth that you still have by the vast, vast profitability of the completely degenerate pharmaceutical medical complex and industry and of course, that requires getting rid of natural medicines. And they've done a real good job of that. Canada, there's another law too uh, on the books that wants to ban natural products. Of course, they constantly want to do that. So they worked and founded or worked with other people to, and they, they keep bringing other wealthy people in to do this. The Eugenics Record Office with the Carnegie Institute from the Carnegie Foundation, uh, from Andrew Carnegie, another uh, incredibly wealthy uh, robber baron, uh, they found this, founded this thing called the Eugenics Record Office in Cold Spring Harbor, New York and Cold Spring Harbor is a perfectly beautiful little town uh, near where I used to live. You can go there and have a lovely outing as a tourist, but they were, in fact, keeping records of the people that they were killing in Europe. That was a good thing to do, and they were keeping records of the people that they were killing in the United States. That To them was also a good thing to do, the hundreds of thousands of people that they were sterilizing. The Eugenics Record Office, as I said, also the Kaiser Wilhelm Institute of Anthropology and Hereditary Human Heredity and Eugenics, also known as the Max Planck Institute for Medical Research. Now, that had two locations. This is long before uh, Hitler made his debut. This was, uh, these two offices were in Munich and Berlin, and it was the Rockefeller Foundation and family that introduced genocidal eugenics to Kaiser Wilhelm and set it up and made it happen under Adolf Hitler. That was their doing, and they thought it was a great start. They also founded the Refugee Scholar Program. Many people don't know about this. People do know about Operation Paperclip. But a lot of scientists, Nazi eugenicists largely, were not eligible for Operation Paperclip because that slot was filled or because um, they there were too many of them, about 3,500 of them, and they were all on the Rockefeller payroll. And after the war, Rockefeller brought them to the United States. And he formed an emer- they, this whole philanthropic nest of vipers, formed an emergency committee in aid of displaced foreign scholars. Who were the foreign scholars? They were the 3,500 eugenic scientists that had been making pseudoscience out of death for the Germans and the eugenicists around the world who were supporting them. Um, and they, they placed these scholars in various places like the New School, uh, in New York. They, Population Council, and by the way, the Population Council was founded in 1951 by John D. Rockefeller III and John Foster Dulles. John Foster Dulles was a former Secretary of State and one of the founders of what we now call the CIA. Pretty shady guy, but they also did good stuff like the Lincoln Center for the Performing Arts in, in New York City, where I have spent many, many, many happy hours, uh, attending concerts and performances. Yay. They had. Agricultural projects where they destroyed the quality of nutrition in food. The International Maize and Wheat Improvement Center and the International Rice Research Institute. And they also were very involved in transgenic crops. Well. You can do a lot of things that are not good for people with transgenic crops, with GMOs. And they have been involved in vaccines and virology, possibly creating the Spanish flu, as it was called, through poisonous vaccines and their, um, their destructive research way back in the, uh, the first part of the 20th century the Rockefeller Institute for Medical Research, the Rockefeller Foundation, and something that most people have never heard of, the Laura Spellman Rockefeller Memorial. And here's where we get to public health. Laura Spellman Rockefeller was the wife of John D. Rockefeller Sr. and the mother, therefore, of John D. Rockefeller Jr. And somebody must have thought highly enough of her or her name, because when she died, something called the Laura Spellman Rockefeller Memorial was set up. Now, the Laura Spellman Rockefeller Memorial did for governance worldwide what the Rockefeller Foundation did for medicine or did to medicine worldwide. It completely took it over, redefined it, and destroyed it. And that, my friends is a large part of the answer to the question, well, how did every government in the world, every government in the world agree to destroy itself and its people in 1994 with the adoption of the uh, Agenda 21 program? And the answer is because in the same way that medicine has been corrupted and controlled intentionally through the Rockefeller Foundation corruption. Governance, and we'll talk about this in a a little bit, governance and public education around the world have been controlled, fined, and made subsidiary to these evil designs by the Laura Spelman Rockefeller Memorial Area of Activity. They also created the General Education Board. They created the Council on Foreign Relations. That should sound familiar. They created the University of Chicago, out of which incredible evil has flowed, like Milton Friedman and the CIA and taking over Pinochet, taking over Chile, assassinating Allende and installing Pinochet, that's the University of Chicago Rockefeller, Laura Spellman, Rockefeller Memorial stuff. Well, John D. Rockefeller Sr. donated a whole lot of money to the Rockefeller Institute for Medical Research and the Rockefeller Foundation. And they created something called this is important. The International Health Board. And it was an independent organization. Of course, all the money came from them, so it did what it was supposed to do, what it was told to do, but it was technically an international health board, totally separate from the Rockefeller money. And it engaged with government agencies so that in 19, between 1909 and 1914, they created, for example, the Sanitary Commission for the Eradication of Hookworm Disease. And nobody wants to have hookworm. It's a bad thing. And so they worked in 14 U.S. states. Well, while they were doing that, they were infiltrating and taking over the entire medical establishment. They engaged also with government agencies. The Sanitary Commission expanded to form something called the International Health Division. And they got involved with malaria, yellow fever, hookworm in the US, Europe, Latin America, the Caribbean, Italy, France, Venezuela, Mexico, Puerto Rico, and 52 countries in total on six continents and 29 islands. Well. That was nice. They were getting rid of bad diseases, right? No. What they were doing under the guise of being nice and getting rid of diseases and being humanitarian was completely infiltrating and taking over the medical system, the medical schools, the medical presentation, the whole thought pattern. The World Health Organization is directly modeled on the International Health Division, of the Rockefeller Foundation. And we know that the United Nations is directly modeled on their foreign uh, relations program. And these organizations were created to coalesce and become that after the uh, League of Nations showed that it was not capable of becoming the world government. Globalization of medical personnel and practices through research education and intervention programs was carried out successfully. It was a brilliant success. The United States National Science Foundation, National Institute of Health, and the Food and Drug Administration are all directly modeled on and were created through the influence of the Rockefeller's And of course, they serve as the international uh, best practices standard when they are totally corrupt and serve a depopulation and uh, destruction model. The international reach of these organizations has been incredibly carefully engineered since the beginning of the 20th century. That's 125, 130 years, was created and curated, funded and influenced by global non-governmental organizations created for these purposes. That should sound familiar. Now, in 1914, the Rockefeller Foundation created the China Medical Board. It encourages the study of medicine and hygiene in Chinese medical schools, hospitals, and nursing schools. In 1919, the Peking Union Medical College and pre-medical schools are founded. And here they're being wonderfully helpful, modernizing medicine, right? but they're doing so much more. The Division of Medical Education gave large gifts to develop medical centers in lots of places. London, schools of hygiene, we're getting to public health. Johns Hopkins University, the University of Sao Paulo, Brazil. Many, many, many universities. And Gates, by the way, learned the Rockefeller model. You gain control of a product. Oh, say vaccines or mosquitoes that act as syringes. And then you set up a fund and you market a structure to consume your product. Does that sound familiar? And then you capture the regulatory structures to coerce and mandate your product. And you make a great deal of money and you become more and more powerful. And eventually, like Gates and Gavi, you have sovereign immunity so that you function like a country. Ongoing fellowships for medical and public health education globally sets up a leadership control where all of the thought leaders and the people who give jobs and the people who let people like Richard graduate from their programs and who employ people who graduate from their programs, it's all controlled by the globalists and has been set up to be controlled by the globalists for 130
1: Years. At some point, Dr. Rima, I noticed that you haven't mentioned uh, one of the big international health authorities that we're under now and how that fits in, which is the Centers for Disease Creation,
0: mm.
1: not only in the, the U.S. Center
2: of- not only in the US the center for disease creation was created as the con- or the institute of health and then the center for disease creation was created as the contact point for the world health organization when the world health organization was founded uh and we entered it in 1948 and that so it is a subservient organization designed to carry out the will and wishes of these predatory, philanthropic, seemingly humanitarian, seemingly independent service organizations designed to destroy us.
1: Okay, good.
2: And they, these guys were given large amounts of money to a whole lot of organizations that we think of as independent. Now, my mother used to quote a proverb. I thought she made it up, but she didn't. It's actually an old German prober- proverb. Proverb. It is he whose bread I eat, his song I sing. So let's talk about the eight million dollars. This is between 1914 and 1919, eight million dollars to the American Red Cross. That was some serious money back then. Five million, whoops. Five million to the United War Work Fund. Uh, one and a half million to Belgium. They just gave money to other countries so they could control them. Some of them were pretty cheap. They gave $610,000 to Armenia and Syria. Let's say 300,000 each. That was enough to buy the entire policymaking system. And Serbia, Serbia was going for a song at those, that point. Serbia was only $164,000. Major financial support was given to medical research. For instance, a very important one uh, before the war, Dr. Alexis Carell's research on serum for wounds. That's pretty important if you're getting ready for a war that you're going to make a whole lot of money from on both sides, which these predatory philanthropists always do. Um, and then we see again the Laura Spellman Rockefeller Memorial. They were funding things like public administration of government activities all over the world. Why? So they could take over the decision making. They taught people modern ways of clearing information between officials and between organizations. They showed how to govern innovatively. They showed how to use administrative methods and technology that were modern. In other words, they said, here, here, have some candy, we'll give you a gift. Of course, the candy is going to uh, hypnotize you and make you our servant and slave forever. They created the Social Science Research Council. So now they have social science doing bogus research coming up with conclusions that support their belief system. They have, they're have founding multiple university social science research centers. In 1929, they merged them so that the governance aspect and the medical and social and uh, political and family and education activities all went together into the Rockefeller Foundation. And then they start giving grants to medical schools. Washington University. This, this was a lot of money in 1916. Washington University, Johns Hopkins, University of Chicago, which, by the way, uh, John D. Rockefeller Sr. and Jr. founded, uh, very fond of the University of Chicago. Um, they're giving lots of money to lots of universities and they have some, some favorites, of course, and note, they're giving $4 million to Vanderbilt and $5 million to Rochester, and they're giving $150,000 to Mahari. Well, of course, it was just not worth giving a lot of money to them, but they gave some. Um, In 1913, they initiated a 20-year project for the Bureau of Social Hygiene. Now, that sounds good, social hygiene. Clean, healthy interactions? Nope. To conduct research and education on, this is eugenics, birth control, maternal health, and sex education, explicitly merging eugenics with public health. In 1914, the Chinese, China Medical Board established the first public health university in China the Peking Union Medical College. And if you remember, the Peking Union Medical College and Pre-Medical College and Nursing School did not actually commence operation until five years later, 1919. So it was more important to them to establish a public health university to control public health policy than to get started with the medical school. That says quite a lot, folks. In 1914, they start establishing international fellowships to train postdoctoral level scholars all over the world. And they were so generous and they were helping so many scholars become modern uh, participants in academic worlds and academic uh, disciplines. No, what they were doing was taking over the thought processes of one discipline after another, after another worldwide, no dissent. We're talking about world governance, and the best way to take over a world is to govern the minds of the people who live in the world and run it. 1927, they created, captured, and weaponized public health. This is for you, Richard. They established the Johns Hopkins School of Public Health, the Harvard School of Public Health, University of Toronto School of Hygiene, the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine, which is as evil in my estimation as the Tavistock Institute, with which they're also deeply involved. The London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine has been responsible for some seriously bad stuff. And they were throwing their money around $25 million to establish public health schools in the U.S. and foreign countries when $25 million was an almost unimaginable amount of money. So they got to set policy, decide who the professors were, et cetera. Meanwhile, back to Cold Spring Harbor. In collaboration with the Eugenics Record Office, remember that? In Cold Spring Harbor, they start working with Planned Parenthood. Margaret Sanger, unfortunately, before I learned all of this, Margaret Sanger was one of my heroes. She no longer is. And she was writing explicitly that her intention of creating Planned Parenthood was the, and I quote, elimination of the Negro race. Well, if you're doing eugenics, then... Deciding which races you're going to eliminate is perfectly normal. It's all in a day's work. Nothing to see here. Move along. So eugenics has a long and enduring history in the Rockefeller world impact. It popularizes Rockefeller Institute money and and organizations popularize and lobbies for and support involuntary sterilization of the unfit. In the United States, resulting in, and this is all documented, I have footnotes here that that, that give all of the uh, detailed information, hundreds of thousands of forced sterilization, people who in the United States were deemed by somebody or other to be youth seeders who shouldn't ever reproduce. They were sterilized against their will. That's in the United States. So don't get so hoity-toity about how could the Germans do that? How could we do that? And we're still doing it under court order here and there, not in the same numbers. Now we have vaccines to make you sterile. Support the the eugenics activity of the Rockefeller Foundation. As I said rescued thousands of their eugenic scientists and supported them before, during, and after World War II. We're at war with Germany during World War II, but the Rockefeller money is overtly and in an undisguised fashion supporting the eugenics researchers. One of the people who actually worked for Rockefeller was a young doctor named Adolf Eichmann. Maybe you've heard of him. The money that was being sent to the Kaiser Wilhelm Institute was not inconsiderable. It was supporting hundreds of eugenics researchers at a time, and that was growing as they were working up to the war. This is 1926. Between 1925 and 1935, about three million dollars went to funding German eugenesis, and support continued as I said after Hitler came to power in 1933. He was helped to come to power very aggressively by not only the Bush and Walker families of George W. Bush uh, uh, ancestry, but also Rockefeller and Rockefellers' friends, who were, by the way, uh, actively and virulently anti-Semitic they hated blacks, they hated Jews they hated Catholics, they hated a lot of people Henry Ford um, actually sponsored the publication of the heinous protocols of the elders of Zion and insisted that every one of his showrooms and factories provide copies of the protocols of the elders of Zion to everybody, that was really important to him Um, In the 1950s, the war was over. Eugenics and genocide was supposed to be a bad thing. Nope, not for the Rockefellers. Uh -uh. They started doing their own eugenics funding based on what they had been paying for and what they had bought and succeeded in in Germany. Now, in 1951, as I mentioned before, John D. Rockefeller III and Alan Dulles, who were great friends, created the Population Council specifically, specifically to, and I quote, advance family planning, birth control, population control, and the goals of the eugenics movement. These people have been planning the eugenicide, the democide of humanity that we are. Ro- very close to undergoing for a very long time. Out in the open, no secret. 1951, to advance family planning, birth control, population control, and goals of the eugenics movement, which means we decide who lives and dies, and pretty much we live, you die. Early support for Henry Kissinger. Included a directorship of the international seminars at Harvard with the CIA. Kissinger's foreign policy magazine, Confluence, was supported when he was a student at Harvard. And this support came from the Rockefeller Foundation. He was an up-and-coming young guy. Now, in 2021, there was a disturbing amount of, of hoopla about the Rockefeller Foundation and the predatory philanthropists, including Gates, of course, this whole um, group of people being eugenicists. And they are, <laughs> quite clearly. So the Rockefeller Foundation decided to issue in 2021, which is kind of a long time after they started playing with eugenics, well over 100 years, they issue their first statement, condemning eugenics. And Rajiv Shah, the president, says, we commend the anti-eugenics project, which they funded, for their essential work to understand the harmful legacies of the eugenicist ideologies. He didn't say, and we're not going to do it anymore. He said, we're going to examine the role that philanthropies played in developing and perpetuating eugenics policies and practices. The Rockefeller Foundation, I think I'm going to vomit, the Rockefeller Foundation is currently reckoning with our own history in relation to eugenics. The Rockefeller Foundation, listen, you can hear violins and angels singing, is putting equity and inclusion At the center of all our work, confronting the hateful legacies of the past, we understand that the work we engage in today does not absolve us of yesterday's mistakes, end quote. I don't know, Richard, do you hear an apology there? Do you hear a change of direction and we'll never do it again? Honest, promised, scouts honor? No, I don't hear that because WHO... And the United Nations are doing exactly what the Rockefeller uh, legacy brings them to. Conclusions Agenda 20, whatever, Agenda 21, Agenda 2030, Agenda 2050, it's all the same. It's merely a new bottle for the old poison to accomplish world domination. It's brilliant, it's comprehensive. It's nimble, it's ruthless, it's long-range planning, and it has very nearly successfully seized control of the entire planet's population and institutions. We, the resistance, are all that's left, but we're enough. False but compelling cultural, scientific, educational, organizational, medical, religious, social, biological truths have been crafted to facilitate a total conquest of a compliant humanity. And humanity is now being educated child by child all over the world through a trauma-based mind control system to make that compliance complete. Although the blueprint was fully developed by the quarter of the 20th century, They couldn't really move. They were ready to move, but they couldn't really move fully because they did not have the science. So they bought the science, and they've had a massive impact on where science has gone. Where science has gone was where it needed to go for them to be able to invade our bodies, our brains, and take over our DNA, hence the gene therapy shot. Public-private and scientific directions have been carefully steered to provide the necessary conquest technologies. International organizations and agreements have been crafted and created specifically to fulfill the goal of total conquest of the planet by self-appointed ubermenschen. During the Second World War uh, and before that in Germany, the concept of the Uber, the overman and the underman, the untermention, were very popular. And of course, the ubermention had the moral, ethical, scientific and technical right and ability to eliminate the untermention. Well, for these monsters, we are all untermention and they are the ubermention and it cannot be allowed to continue. All of these concepts are to be completely eliminated. Sovereignty, informed consent, as we spoke a little bit about, individuality, human rights, rule of law, natural law, the family have no place in the conqueror's lexicon for us because we're the intermention. We're running out of time. We're very close to their conquest, they're, they're They acknowledge that they are far behind schedule, but they're trying to catch up. They've created a new sustainability conference and a pact for the future that's inside the UN, which gives us more good reasons to get out of the UN as well. We are coming very close to their hoped for conquest and destruction of us from our genes outward into a bio neuro technico spiritual subjugation, and slavery consciously catalyzed via late 19th century and early 20th century predatory philanthropy continuing into the present. WHO was created to be and serves as the primary engine of destruction. But now that we know about this pact for the future, we have to add the UN and get out of both of them at the same time. These are the engines of destruction through which the 140-plus-year plan of total world domination is to be achieved. Those dictators who want infinite, ultimate, unbroken, infantile gratification, that's what wants to rule us all. No reform or negotiation is possible within that body, WHO, or within the United Nations, or any of its associated structures. If we want to survive, we have no choice but to get the hell out of these amalgamated bodies and structures And we have to reorganize under our own sovereignty, nation by nation, and find ways to collaborate. We don't need a central control system. Sun Tzu said victory comes from finding opportunities in problem." He was a really smart dude. He also said the opportunity of defeating the enemy is provided by the enemy himself, and it is. They are terrified of us. We've been pushing, pushing, pushing. We've helped create a world dialogue saying, what? We don't need no stinking WHO. What are you talking about? You can't do that. Whoa, this is bad. We've been very active in helping to create that dialogue, and now they are having to push out propaganda pieces and and do tap dance and so on to get around our accurate pushback. And that's good, but that's not a definitive win. That's just an indication that we're on the right path. Sun Tzu, opportunities multiply as they are seized. And that is absolutely true. There's only one strategic goal, exit WHO and the United Nations. When I wrote this, I was not aware of the pact for the future. That is so bad. That's the United Nations activity that our strategic goal has expanded to exit these organizations, the mechanism of total global conquest. We cannot stay inside a system that wants to destroy us. It's now reconstituting itself through the international health regulations to be a legal authority with all the power vested in an unassailable dictator. Nope, not okay. Fighting any other battle other than getting out of these organizations. Is from a strategic and tactical point of view a complete error until your country has withdrawn from WHO and all related structures, including the international health regulations and the United Nations. Sun Tzu says go into emptiness, strike voids, bypass what he defends, hit him where he does not expect you. Our numbers are our strength, and he does not expect us to rise up in our numbers. Now, there is a website here, preventgenocide2030.org. There it is, Prevent Genocide 2030. Click here, scroll down, find
1: your country, take the actions. Click here. Fill
2: in. Oh, it's already filled in for me because I've been here before. My name and my address. This action says U.S. exit WHO. Click here. There's a letter and you can, you can amend because we're not telling you what to say. You can amend it and it will go to the people that It needs to go to in government. We've set targets, your representative, your congresspeople, the president of the United States, et cetera. And you can send this, and it goes to all of them. If you're in another country, great. So I send the email. Allegedly, it's supposed to work. And, oh, please select a value. Okay, doctor. All right. And please enter a value. So I have to enter my phone number and then send email. And then I get a thank you and the thank you has a book and the book is called the singing pig. WHO, the singing pig. That's a thank you. And it's really quite interesting to find out just how terrible WHO is. This is an ebook that is a way of saying thank you. There's a great deal to do. We need to tell our friends and colleagues and families and neighbors that these glorious organizations with their beautiful words are actually the reincarnation, the incarnation, the rebirth, the uh, Frankenstein re-emergence of the same deadly ethos that the Nazis brought to Germany and many other parts of Europe and would have gone further had they been able to. Well, they're going further now. And there is a resource that I strongly suggest that you write down and spend some time watching. Vera Sharov, who is a uh, Holocaust survivor, has made an absolutely magnificent five-part documentary. It's free, and uh, it's in five one-hour segments Showing how what the Nazis did was made acceptable to them step by step by step and documenting that the same playbook is being used step by step by step to make it acceptable to us. It's called her, her work is magnificent and it's called never again is now global dot com. Never again is now global. Dot com. And to the right of each trailer, there is a button that allows you to watch the one-hour video for the, each of the five parts. It's very important. I have to warn you, it's painful. It's hard to watch because it's so clearly documented and so uh, uh, unabashedly honest about what went on then and what's going on now. If you do not wish to be a party to this evil, then you have to become a warrior in fighting it, not with guns, not with knives, not with pitchforks and spears, because that won't work. Whether or not you think it's a moral thing to do, strategically and tactically, it's a stupid thing to do, because we're outgunned, we're outarmed, we're outmaneuvered. They have very advanced weapons that we do not. And so we have to fight them with what we have, and that's our numbers. We have to go to a site like Prevent Genocide 2030. Actually, it's the only one that I know of that's really doing this, and take the actions and bombard our decision-makers, our gatekeepers, with huge, huge outpourings of political will. And I'm millions of emails. And those emails say, get me out of WHO. Now, how are emails going to help? I mean, one email, 600 emails, 10,000 emails, eh, nothing. But these people know that they are very close to losing control of the control that they think that they must have. And so when we raise our hands and say, no, don't you dare in large numbers, they step back. They come around again, they try to do it again, but we're ready for them. So it is imperative that we get them to step back and say, oh, okay, all right, we'll withdraw from the UN, we'll withdraw from the United Nations, from the World Health Organization. Okay, okay. I mean, you know, 48 million people have been sending my office emails. Okay, we'll do that. And it's actually pretty simple to do. Um, and that gives us the time and breathing space to get out from under Agenda 2030 and put our countries and our lives and our societies and our children back together again. Because without that, frankly, we're doomed. We're simply doomed. That is my best assessment.
1: Dr. And, one, one of the things that yes. you might want to clarify... If people hear you say this and they say, well, a billion emails, why would the rulers care? They just go ahead and kill everybody anyway. And you've got precedent where this has been done before. And if you explain what that was briefly, yeah. then, you know, believe it or not, and this is totally amazing to me, the rulers actually respond. By they changing, do.
2: They don't respond clothes. because they're nice. They don't respond because they think, oh, gee, maybe we were doing the wrong thing. They respond when they think that they're going to lose control of control.
1: It's just am- so, amazing that emails can scare them that yes, much. But it's it been, can. It's proven. But it's,
2: it's the numbers that scare them. Yeah. Um, in 2009 the head of Health and Human Services. And for those of you who are not in the United States, that's the equivalent, our U.S. equivalent of the Minister of Health. So Kathleen Sibelius addressed the United States Congress on September 15th. And she said, the FDA has fully funded and is prepared to implement a mandatory swine flu vaccine program. Now, she didn't ask Congress for their advice and consent or permission or approval. She said that the FDA, that's the Fraud and Death Administration of the United States government, had decided on its own, with no authorization from anybody except the WHO and the UN, that they were going to institute a mandatory swine flu program. And that mandatory swine flu program would, and I quote, start with those who wanted it first. It's (laughs) pretty interesting. And she said they did not have enough of the adjuvant, uh, I'm sorry, enough of the antigen, which is the working end of the vaccine, even though they had bought the entire output of five vaccine companies, Uh, but they were going to fix that problem By adding an adjuvant, which is an immune system irritant to get the immune system to to juice up its response and act more when this poison is injected. And the adjuvant that they were going to use had not been used before in human beings. Uh, It was called squalene. Squalene is a normal part of the human nervous system, but when it's injected, it becomes a profoundly toxic substance. The body turns on itself, becomes an autoimmune destruction machine and destroys its, its tissues and its joints. And it's just horrible. It, it looks like something that you know about called Gulf War syndrome, syndrome. It's horrible. So they were going to do that to every man, woman, and child in the United States by admixing together the vaccine and the squalene in a very particular dose at 90,000 stations of administration across the country. What could possibly go wrong, right? Basements and, and police stations and auditoria. Sounds like a great plan. And I thought, and, and she said, and our scientists haven't, won't sign off on it, but we're going to do it anyway. And I thought, that's odd. She's given out a particular dosage for squalene that she's going to use. And their scientists won't sign off on it, but they're doing it anyway. I wonder why. So I went looking. And what I found was that the United States government held two patents, which it still holds, for the use of squalene in that particular dose, injected with a vaccine to produce in one patent irreversible immune-mediated infertility in women and in the other patent irreversible immune-mediated sterility in men. So that amount of squalene introduced along with the vaccine would cause the body to attack its reproductive tissues so that no reproduction would ever be possible. You she know, had people, just announced, think
1: that, people think that patents are for things that will be beneficial.
2: No, patents simply say, I own this technology. And by the way, when the patent office issues a patent, Richard, it certifies that what's in the patent really works. It's really true. That's right. what the patent uh it's, is legally. It's if a, somebody a, checked. Yeah, somebody checked. So, we told people, we said, if you want to be made sterile in an involuntary mandatory program, and by the way, Rick, do you happen to know how many people, the max number of people who could possibly have died from swine flu worldwide is? No. According to WHO, which had a lot invested in having the biggest possible pandemic?
1: No, don't know.
2: 11. 11 people at the maximum died from swine flu. It was complete nonsense, just like this Mm -hmm. one. Anyway, uh, we said to people, if that's okay with you, don't do anything. But if it's not okay with you, you tell the government, don't you dare. And the way you do it is by writing your freedom mouse. And we gave them a page to put their name and address in, as I showed you, and click send. And when they sent... Uh, their email, they sent to 28 people the president, the vice president, the head of health and human services, FDA, CDC, their congressmen, their governors, their, you know, uh, 28 people all together.
1: Now, and, uh, and not just once per person, right?
2: Well, you could take it as many times as you want, and you can still do that now with our action items at preventgenocide2030.org. But if you send right. it once, you sent out 28 letters over your signature. Well, In 11 days, three and a half million people each sent 28 letters to all of these poobahs. Now, no guns, no firebombs, peaceful legal action, communicating with your public servants. Now, the public servants didn't change their minds about whom they were working for, and what they cared about. But they did change their minds about whether they were in control or not. And so when 3.5 million times 28 emails reached the, the halls of power, on day 12, Kathleen Sebelius went public, and she said, on second thought, we're not going to do that. And the program ended There. The program died. We didn't. That's the power of saying, This is my freedom mouse. This is my brain. And these are my three words. Don't you dare put them together and you tell your gatekeepers, Oh, no. And they back off when we speak loud enough in large enough numbers every time.
1: Totally amazing. So you've got the software set up on the website to multiply the letters out wherever they have to go.
2: Yes. Now, if you're in Canada and you send the Canadian action, every right. member of parliament, 435 people, will get your letter. If you're in um, Australia, every member of the parliament will get your letter. Um in the United States, our software parses it out, so it just goes to your congressman, your senator, your governor your however we set it up. Right. But in the other countries, everybody gets it, and we have lots of countries represented, and we uh, uh we're adding more all the time. This is incredibly important. humanity is in the fight of its life, Richard. Never before have we had technology so close to being able to totally destroy us. And never before have we had the tools, well, never before the last decade, have we had the tools to make sure that we stay in charge of our lives rather than these monsters.
1: Really simple bottom line of what to do. And it's incredible that People who are feeling there's nothing we can do, and we're totally powerless, and we just have to wait here and be destroyed, you're you're showing with proof and a precedent that it's the opposite situation.
2: We actually have many precedents. I just told you about one. Um, the, um, the FDA issued a guidance. Once a guidance is issued, there's a public comment period, and then they turn it into law that becomes mm. regulation and the regulation becomes law. So they issued a guidance without any opportunity for public comment that we were supposed to know about. They hit it and it said anything that's ever been used for the purpose of making somebody feel better will be considered an unapproved drug and would be illegal. And the, the um, uh, examples they gave were holy water, hot rocks and a massage, and chicken soup. These things have all been used to make people feel better. And so they all were unapproved drugs. And this was hidden. This was about to go into uh, regulation and therefore law. And we found out about, kind of by accident, And we told people about it. And in a weekend, 688,000 emails hit the FDA email box between Friday and and Sunday nights and crashed their system. We don't know how many more we could have gotten in because their system collapsed. And on Monday morning, they withdrew the guidance.
1: This is so critical. This is like the bottom line. This is the bottom line. The most important part of all the backup information that you've just finished giving us. This is like you're not helpless. You can do something simple. It costs nothing. You can do it as, every day. Wow. There,
2: there are a couple of parts to it, though. One is you take the action. Right. Part two is you tell everybody you can reach. Here's the link. You take the action. I did it. You right. take it, too.
1: And, and part,
2: part three is you take it again, rinse and repeat.
1: Right. Incredible. And this applies to so many things. Just, it's just almost unbelievable that just communicating with our rulers can control what they do.
2: They're not our rulers. They are usurpers seeking to take our divine right of sovereignty from us. They're not our rulers. They're not the elite. They're not even pawn scum because pawn scum has a place in the ecology, and they don't. Right. They're they're um, they're despicable, contemptible, well-heeled, rich, uh, would-be tyrants. Yeah. baby tyrants. I
1: didn't mean legitimate rulers.
2: I know you don't mean it, but it's really important. You know how, how we both agree that language is critically important. Yeah. It's important not to give them status as rulers because what they are is um, usurpers and, and thieves and monsters and psychopaths and pedophiles, and they are the worst part of humanity. Yeah.
1: yeah. They're just rich. No disagreement.
2: Because they stole money.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they're occupying most of the positions of political and government power right. all in the world. And, and they have the facade, the appearance of looking untouchable.
2: Right. And they want us to feel powerless. And they want us to feel isolated. And they want us to feel, oh, well, nobody else feels this way. Because yeah. I didn't hear about it on, on the mainstream media. Well, of course you don't. Those are propaganda organs.
1: So the thing is not to forget the message, not to just think, well, that was interesting, what's next? This is Well, if
2: you do, you're saying, please kill me and my children. Exactly. Which is kind of a dumb thing to say.
1: Yes. Yeah. This has to be staying in the focus. And we have similarly critically important other issues that go with it that you're going to be bringing up in subsequent parts of this series. I don't know if you want to mention anything about that, Ma'am.
2: Um, There are lots of things to talk about, and they all central center back on this threat. This is not a theoretical threat. They actually want you dead. Um, mm. If I can take just a moment to find something.
1: That's um, one, of, one of the things that you agreed with the host on when you were on Alex Jones' show.
2: Exactly.
1: Like he's constantly saying what you did, and you're not Let disagreeing me, with that.
2: Exactly. Let me open up uh, this document and then share it because it's really quite interesting. Um, okay, the UN World Population Day report. This is uh, very recent, uh, July twelfth, two thousand twenty-three. This is now. And the World Population Day report urges women in aging countries, that's countries where the reproduction rate is falling below the replacement rate, Mm -hmm. not to have more children. Why? Well, rather than increasing births, the UN recommends countries with collapsing fertility rates to promote gender equality. Which means boys are girls, girls are boys, and you can have lots of abortion and lots of contraception. Doesn't it sound like they want to get rid of people? Right? Countries should not try to raise birth rates despite them being below replacement rates. Because what's important here? Well, advancing gender equality is a cross-cutting solution to many population concerns. Yes, it is. Because then people stop reproducing and then you don't have population concerns. Realizing sexual and reproductive health and rights for all. And they're saying that children have rights to be sexual. And by the way, children are not sexual. Children are experiential. They have feelings. They are not sexual beings unless they're being molested. Um, reproductive rights and health rights for all is the foundation for gender equality, dignity, and opportunity. So you got to pretend that boys are girls and girls are boys, and not rep- and mutilate your body and take hormones, and then we don't children. Yes, this is the craziness. This is what these organizations are saying. Now, I have to tell you, personally, as a woman, I believe that I have the right to control the reproductive life of my body. That's my right. That's personal. You may disagree with me, but that's how I feel. I also have to tell you that as a doctor graduating from medical school in 1970, working in emergency rooms, I saw young girls who were pregnant who didn't want to be pregnant for a variety of reasons, dying of sepsis with wire hangers sticking out of their vaginas. I saw that. I know that there is a desperate need for people to be able to control their reproductive lives. That's not what we're talking about with this propaganda, Richard. What we're talking about here is crashing the human population so that their agenda of getting rid of all but a very small number of people who are then mutated into subhumans, untermension, can be carried out. And if they can get people to go along with it, mutilate their bodies, confuse their children, take hormones, be incapable of reproduction for the rest of their lives, well, so much the better. So there's, there's a difference between what they want and what we need individually on a personal and human basis, right. and the difference is everything.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with you on personal health freedom rights completely. I, I totally support that. The only, only different approach that I would probably have is educate the women and girls that the developing baby is not a fingernail, is not a mass of cells, and that. They- Support is needed for options other than killing men developing. the development. That's all.
2: 2022 United Nations Guidance on Abortion, which is a very interesting document. I suggest anybody who's interested in this topic go read it. It's quite horrifying. They make the point that birthing persons right. uh, that should be women and girls, but it's birthing persons, women, girls, and others. What others? Nobody else is a birthing person. Men don't give birth to babies. Um, Moving right along, birthing persons have within them during the entire pregnancy, pregnancy tissue. There's never a baby. And birthing persons Mm -hmm. are not mothers. There's never a baby. And a birthing person has the right to terminate the life of the pregnancy tissue up until the that it finishes exiting the birth canal. So right. a fully formed, viable baby can be killed on the whim of the, the woman giving birth to it. And the governor of Maine yesterday, I believe, signed a law saying exactly the same thing.
1: Like getting a haircut, basically. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. Furthermore. If a caregiving person, a healthcare person, doesn't agree with that, they have the right to follow their own ethical dictates unless there's nobody else around to do it, in which case following their own ethical dictates becomes a crime.
1: Exactly, yeah. Yeah, society is being changed. And, you know, we're pretty much out of time, but I think the point is that... Um, these topics that we're going to bring up and talk about in the future installments of this series are all connected. Because absolutely. Overall and I, I
2: so appreciate the opportunity to to look at them in some depth. And uh, I want everybody to go to preventgenocide2030.org. Look around, yeah. take action, share the link.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Incredible. And this presentation is so important. I'd say, you know, it's timeless until the situation is solved, and people need to take a little bit of time out of their day every day and go to preventgenocide2030.org and send the letters. It It's free. There's really no reason that anybody can't do it. I assume that it can be done on a smartphone in addition to just a computer. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, it's set up so it works well on a phone as well.
1: I think the majority of people have moved over to using their phones instead of computers at this point. It
2: makes it easier to be tracked and surveilled.
1: Yeah, exactly right, and kept in your house, et cetera. So this has implications for turning other things around once the two organizations are out of the way that we talked about. Amazing. So I, I look forward to having you back as soon as possible.
0: Thank Maybe you, in a couple
1: of weeks or so yeah. and um, getting into the next topics. But in the meantime, to everybody, please don't forget, make yourself a note and do this every day until the problem is over.
2: Imagine you can save the world in 10 minutes a day or less. It is That's amazing. Cool.
1: It's just the opposite of being insignificant and powerless. Right. So hold on and we'll say goodbye in the break here dr rima labo you guys friend for a long time great lady and a great individual doctor showing that doctors can be really outside the box and see clearly what's going on they don't have to be addicted to the drug mentality which is most of modern medicine most of allopathic approach that dr rima mentioned and uh, she's been doing great work ever since uh well since she had her natural doctor practice in New York and then started Natural Solutions Foundation with the uh, General Bert Stubbleby and her husband and Ralph Fusitola, the attorney, and the projects they've done have been amazing and what's what's interesting in this particular case is that they've actually proven using the software of communication that she talked about, how just you by yourself in a few minutes on the computer, which is really well worth it, can use preventgenocide2030.org and send letters, emails to so many people at once, all the relevant people who are your so-called representatives that do everything they can not to represent you as far as we can tell. Uh, And what's just astounding to me is that they even respond. I mean, why would they care if all the population is sending emails. My intuition would have been, you know, that all these dumb peasants are busy with emails and they're not going to do anything that really gets in our way, but that's not what happens. So um, from the experience with the swine flu scam, when they were going to force everybody to have the swine flu shot, and Natural Solutions Foundation had this campaign similar to what she's doing now, and the software to send um, massive numbers of emails to the representatives, they actually canceled the mandatory vaccination campaign. That's incredible to me. And I guess we don't have to understand exactly why, because I don't. I mean, these are criminals in office, and they cancel their crime plans because of a bunch of emails. It depends on what the emails say and the number that they get all in a big wave. So if you want to be part of that wave, you can really help stop the uh, Genocide 2030 that she's talking about through the WHO and their criminal backer, which is the UN, and that's at preventgenocide2030.org. I don't want to really say much to distract from that. You know our material is at lostartsradio.com okay. And then our private group, which meets live every Saturday, is at planetaryhealingclub.com. You're always welcome to become a part of that if you want to uh, work with us on personal issues and uh, transforming your own health and consciousness and focus and learning how to use some of the subtle energies that are going out from us all the time, but usually unconscious and unfocused. And there's massive power in that on another level, you know, just analogous to what Dr. Remus pointing out is your power through the internet using what she calls the freedom mouse. There's another level of power on the quantum physics level or finer than that, which is the radiation that is being emitted from every living being and especially every human being 24 hours a day. And it's very much correlated to What's going on with your body physically, and what's going on with your emotional state and your intent? What you, you know, in a, in a way, and I don't want to make a long talk about this right now, I, my voice is almost calm. But um, it's almost like what you're praying for. Where and it doesn't matter if you're religious or even if you're an atheist or believe in God. What you're focused on and what your intent is all the time is like a prayer, and it's going out. In the form of uh, subtle radiation, it's been seen on some sophisticated electronic equipment, so it's real. And it's been shown, as Dr. Cousins and others have have pointed out in studies, that when people bring this intentional energy into a focus and direct it in a certain um, at a certain goal with emotion behind it, that you you actually have an effect on physical events the behavior of other people, including criminals, which should include the ones we have in positions of power all over the world right now. Um, you really can't affect things, and this is a way to have an effect without any physical action, without having to try to debate these people, which doesn't work, and uh, without leaving relocation, without making any big show of anything, It's really powerful, but only if it gets focused. And we're working on that in uh, cooperation with Dr. Cousins, but we talk about it and try to tune into it every Saturday at the meeting on the Planetary Healing Club. And you'd be a welcome part of that if you get to the point of wanting to do that. And it doesn't preclude the priority of taking care of your body. Um. Having a functioning body is really useful, Uh, I'm sure you'll find, and it makes it easier to do the internal focus work. But we'll talk more about that later. For now, preventgenocide2030.org, remember the website, and honor Dr. Label's request by going there. Ideally, every day, you can do it as much as you want. They don't differentiate between the emails they get from one person or the emails from... Large numbers of people. They just count up the total emails. So you can be as many of those as you want. It's not like voting, where voting is only legitimate once in a given election. This voting is expected that you repeat as much as you can. And it's worthwhile because the plans of the WHO and UN are not what we want to see go any further than they already have. So, anyway, take care of yourself. Honor your time. Use it as well as you can. Remember Rima's message. Go to preventgenocide2030.org and I'll meet you there to take the actions. See you soon. Take care.